Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 29 of the Unweaving Chronic Pain Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Andrea Moore, chronic pain specialist. And as always, this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for medical advice. All right, this week, I really want to get a little more like logical and analytical here as best as I can. And I know y'all will love that because yay for logic and analytical, right? So what I want to do is take a little time to really get some clarity on what problems your pain is really causing. Now, you might be like, oh, fuck, I can give you an entire list, Andrea. Why is this? Why is this hard? Right. And here's why I want to differentiate between like actual not actual, like not, oh, oh, I'll go there in a second here. Concrete problems that, that like actually could be measured, you know, like written out, like you can, they're just much more clear cut versus problems that are like emotional based, like actual suffering, anxiety, fear, right? Not that those are not real, that's not, or that, that those aren't actual problems. They are fucking actual problems, but I want to differentiate them today. All right. And this is really important because the actions we take to solve emotional issues and emotional suffering are probably going to be different than the actions we take that involve like more concrete problems. Like I can't walk up the flight of a flight of stairs because my knee hurts too bad. So therefore I can't go upstairs. Like this was a real story. Okay. Like, I had a client who she could not walk up the stairs of her house because her pain was so bad, which meant she slept on the couch every night, which made her back pain worse than in the morning, right? Vicious cycle here, but she couldn't get up the stairs, right? Like that is a concrete problem. We know it is solved when she can walk up the stairs, right? Or there could be other ways of solving that problem. But anyways, does that make sense? Versus I have fear and anxiety and grief and anger, which are all very, very real, but they're going to be addressed slightly differently or very differently than a concrete problem, right? Like they're, I, I actually want to separate these out a little bit because I think what happens, and I myself are <laughs> very guilty of this, is they get so enmeshed in each other that we start trying to apply the wrong solution to the problem at hand, okay? So we really want to separate the emotions from like the facts, the circumstances that we could, again, like write out and be very, very clear, like that it's like they're a lot more objective. And we also then are going to, and knowing that when we evaluate the facts, chances are emotions will come up. And I think it's this piece, right, that when we start getting really clear on facts, what happens is emotions will immediately flood in and it makes seeing the facts very murky because it can then feel like a personal attack. We get so overcome with shame and guilt and maybe grief. And I'll, I'll give some examples in a second here that we can't, we no longer are being objective about it. We lose the objectivity, right? So again, it's not wrong for that to happen. That's going to happen. But it's then being able to realize it's not about this. The, the problem here is that I'm flooded with shame. 
It's not the actual thing that led to feeling the shame that's the problem. All right, I'm gonna get more clear on that hopefully in a second here. Because here's the thing, is so many methodologies out there, um, and this obviously isn't only chronic pain specific, just in general, whether it's like therapy or mindfulness or yoga or whatever, okay? Often focus on one end of the spectrum or another. Like thought work tends to be much more factual based, which is, you know, like great. Like it's got a very clear system. If you're familiar with thought work, if you're not, don't worry about it. Um, But sometimes, again, depending on how people are teaching and doing it, the emotions get left out of it. Versus other end of the spectrum, and sometimes I can be guilty of this one, is I get too caught up in the emotional, the emotional processing that we get too murky on the facts, okay? So we want to recognize where we are. That is the skill. It's not about staying in, it's definitely not about staying in one or the other. It's more the recognition of where we are and that that is a skill in itself, All right. And this is a really fucking valuable skill to be like, where am I on this spectrum? Because when you realize that, then you can take an action that's aligned to where you are and meeting yourself where you are. So again, it really is about moving between the different states. That is the goal here. It's all about being able to transition, to be in this gray area and not stuck on the black and white on one end or the other. And it is never, ever, ever, ever about doing it perfectly or at the right time or being able to predict it ahead of time, right? Like if you're like, I'm stuck in the black and white. I've done it wrong. Now let me guilt my, no, no. Like you're going to be stuck in one end. That's going to happen. The skill is recognizing that you're there. Okay, not making yourself wrong for being there because we're going to be there. That's what happens. It's how the human brain works. Okay, it's totally normal. When that happens, you can be like, oh, look, I have a normal human brain. Yay. Okay, so it's just noticing and adjusting as you move through life. Right, similar to like, as you move through the day, there are times where you will notice you have to pee. So you adjust, you go and pee, right? If you're trying to force yourself to pee when you do not have to pee, not only is that very bad for your pelvic floor, and that's an entire other discussion, (laughs) right? That will actually create problems. It's also not going to work, right? You're applying the wrong action. Like, it'd be like, it's like you're thirsty and you go try to pee. Like, it just doesn't make sense. So we're like, oh, that doesn't feel right for my body and what it needs right now. Let me go drink water instead. When you have to pee, you wouldn't go drink water, right? Unless you're like me and you drink a whole ton of water and then go pee. Because sometimes I do that if I have to pee in the middle of the night. But total side note. Okay. Uh, Excuse that. So anyways, it is just noticing what your body needs and adjusting. It's always going to be about the like adjustment and, and giving it what it needs in the moment. Not about getting right or being able to predict it ahead of time, right? You never beat yourself up because you have the urge to pee and you're like, damn it, I should have peed five minutes ago before I had this urge. No, the urge is what signals it, okay? So it's learning the signals. And of course, everybody wants to know like, but when, when do I make the switch? How do I know? What's the signal? Yeah, we're gonna learn that, right? That's what you have to learn. So I wanna first give an example, okay? We're gonna take Julie. She has back pain. Now. Julie's back pain causes many problems in her life, but we're just going to focus on one right now. 
Julie's back pain makes her fuse very short. She gets really fucking angry with it, okay? And when she has a short fuse, she yells at her kids. After Julie yells at her kids, she feels massive shame and guilt about yelling at her kids. And then because of this, she stays up all night. She's anxious about it. She's trauma-informed here. She's anxious about the trauma she's causing her kids. She's beating herself up in the process for just repeating the cycle that her mom did because her mom yelled at her. And then she wakes up after not sleeping well. Her back hurts even worse. And the cycle repeats. Okay? Now, kind of standard, honestly. <laughs> this is not an uncommon scenario. And obviously it's going to fluctuate up and down and stuff like that, right? But let's say Julie is blaming this on her back pain, right? Like she's like, the back pain is the epicenter of my problems. If my back pain was gone, I wouldn't yell at my kids, all right? So that is like the fact that Julie has established in her mind. So with, from that fact, or what she feels like is a fact, but really is actually a place of shame and guilt because that's actually what she's feeling, right? Julie's going to go now make a lot of appointments to see chiropractors and specialists, right? Because if I solve my back pain, I will solve the problem of yelling at my kids, right? But again, this is done from a place of shame and guilt because that's what she's feeling after she yells at her kids. So it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of money to see those specialists. Her back pain's been going on for the past like six years. She's finally like, you know, took her five years to take action for it because she's finally like being like, that's it, I've had had enough. As, as she's going to these specialists, they tell her her posture's all wrong. The curve of her back is fucked. She has degeneration, whatever shit that they're telling her, right? Which just makes Julie feel more anxious and more hopeless because nothing is getting better. In fact, her pain even starts getting worse. There's less and less things she can do now. She's not responding to the treatments. And over some time, the specialist might just give up on her and tell her there's nothing more they can do. Maybe she sees another person or maybe even the specialist themselves or the chiropractor says, "I this is, you know, about stress and anxiety. This is in your head. Oh, that's my favorite. Right? We've talked about this phrase. This is all in your head. But Julie's like, what the fuck? I feel my pain. It's not all my head. Why isn't anyone helping me, right? I need my pain solved. So I stopped getting angry at my kids, right? But no one, even if they tell, if, even if they're noticing the stress and anxiety or trying to make that link, they're not telling her what to do about it, right? It's that whole like, oh, you just have too much stress and anxiety in your life. Just de-stress some, which if you've been told that probably makes you want to de-stress yourself by punching someone in the face because that's not fucking helpful advice, right? At least it's never been for me. Because, or is that just me? Is that just me? Please tell me that's not just me, right? It's like the worst advice ever. Oh, just feel less stressed. Just think less anxious thoughts. Yeah, uh-huh, because that's ever worked. Okay. And I mean, maybe the person even tries to give helpful tips like journaling or meditating, or maybe at this point, Julie's listened to some podcasts about, you know, journaling or mindfulness or meditation. But every single time she tries to sit down and do these, her body is just like flooded with emotions. She, her mind doesn't stop racing. So she, there's more shame and guilt that happens, right? It just doesn't work. And so Julie's left feeling like, what the fuck? So what to do now, right? Okay. So 
do you see where I'm going here? While there are always layers and layers, okay, we can never just say there's one really simple thing, okay? Chances are where this is really all going wrong and this is not Julie's fault, okay? Let me be very, 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 very clear about that. None of this is Julie's fault, okay? Is that she's blaming her back pain on being the cause. She feels like if her back pain goes away, all of her other problems will also go away. And in Julie's case, this is not true. I can guarantee if Julie somehow finds a way to be free of her back pain, which is, to be honest, incredibly unlikely, the anxiety and stress that led to it in the first place, and again, I'm talking about Julie specifically here, okay? We're just giving an example case. This might not be completely true for everyone, but just bear with me here, okay? If we're not, or if, if even if the back pain's gone, the anxiety and stress that led to it will still be present, which means chances are Julie is going to continue to yell at her kids. She will have a short fuse for another reason. And chances are the back pain will then just come back. Okay? And in this case, again, we're assuming that the stress and anxiety are the reasons for the sensitization of her nervous system that caused the back pain. If those, if that is, right? Sorry, I totally just lost my sentence of where I was going with that. Bear with me there too. Okay, <laughs> I, was, I was saying a sentence and then I forgot the end of it. <laughs> we'll just pretend you knew where I was going. All right, again, chances are, if we're not dealing with them, they're just going to lead to other issues, right? They were probably there in the first place. They just weren't causing enough of a problem for Julie to be aware of it. Which is why it never got addressed, right? It was the back pain that made her finally realize how big of an issue with her it was. But rather than realize this, right, we blame it on the back pain. So all this treatment, this time, this money and effort, they're going to the wrong thing. How do you know that? Because her back pain wasn't getting better with them. Okay. If your pain is getting better with a treatment you're receiving and it feels worth the time and the money that you're doing it, then fuck yes, keep doing it. I'm not, none of this is ever to say that like chiropractic or massage or physical therapy is wrong or seeing a specialist is wrong. If it's giving you results, it's not wrong, <laughs> okay? If you're not getting the results from the treatment, that's how we know it's not working, okay? And you've given enough, whatever, you're assuming you have, you know, talked to the practitioners and given enough time and all that good stuff, okay? Anyways. And here's the thing that now I'm seeing more and more with people too that I really, really want to point out. As the field of chronic pain management or pain management is becoming very aware of how stress and anxiety, how it contributes to chronic pain, what I'm seeing more and more is practitioners throwing in tidbits about it. So like within a session, they might be like, how's your stress levels? How's your anxiety? Oh, you should sleep more. Have you tried meditating? Okay. So they're talking about it, which is good. I'm glad that awareness is coming there. But what it's leading to pe people to believe is that that is being treated by talking about it. You might even be seeing a talk therapist and talking about your stress and anxiety for an hour each week. 
If you feel like it's treating it, if your stress and anxiety are getting better and you're you're having results, then it's working. If you are not having results, it is not working. All right. This is really, really important because I can't tell you how many people I see now or talk to now that say, I've tried stress management. I've tried reducing my anxiety. It doesn't work. And when I ask them what they've done, they have only talked about it. And maybe, maybe they've tried a few techniques, but the techniques never worked, right? The techniques led to more stress and anxiety. So therefore they say the techniques didn't work, which that means it was, they were using the wrong techniques. That means they never got treatment for it. All right. It's like taking your car to the gas station and they fill up the tank with oil. I don't know. And then you try to drive and it doesn't work. And then you're then, but they're like, but you filled up your tank. You filled up your tank with the wrong shit. It's not going to work, right? Like if you're doing a technique that doesn't work, that means it hasn't been treated. All right. And again, and none of this is your fault. Okay. There's different techniques that work for different people and being able to just understand and listen to your body is, which we're going to get to here in a second is, is kind of the point. So all of this to say, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning is we need to separate the emotions from like the actual facts, the circumstances, what's going on. And in order to do that, we need to be able to shift from state to state, right? We talked about moving between these states. Moving between, are we in taking action state or are we in emotional processing state? All right, because these are two states I see people that they get stuck in. Julie here is stuck in an action state from this example, okay? And it is unfortunately the wrong action for what her body needs. And here's the thing, Julie probably needs help to see this. Okay, we cannot always see it for ourselves. And this is totally normal. All right. So if, if you listen to this whole podcast and you're like, I don't know where I'm stuck in, I can see myself in, but I'm not even sure. Right. Sometimes you can be stuck in both states, which is maybe I'll get to that. <laughs> I'm not gonna promise here. Um it's okay to need help. And if you need help, book a pain strategy session with me because that is what I can help you with. Just say, I don't know where I'm stuck. Awesome. I'll help you figure it out. I need help figuring out when I'm stuck or where I'm stuck. I now have the skill to recognize I'm stuck somewhere. Sometimes I just don't know where I'm stuck. Okay. But we can, I think everyone can recognize where they're stuck. And that just means you're taking action. that's not fucking getting you anywhere or you're doing something and you're not getting the results you want. Okay. Now, you know, you're stuck. If you're having that, the, the next step is to figure out, right? The problem. Okay. So let's evaluate some facts for Julie here. Now, Julie has been going to the chiropractor for two times a week for eight months, and she has spent over $3,000 with like deductible and copay on this. She's seen four specialists now and has spent another $2,000 between them, not to mention hours of her time and not to mention getting no good answers. Her pain still isn't getting better and neither is her problem of yelling at her kids. In fact, now her kids are even more distant from her. It's creating an issue in her marriage because her husband's getting irritated with her. And then she feels guilty about it. And then she feels like a shitty mom and wife on top of this all, right? And on top of it, just to name one more thing, there's again, probably an entire list of pair, you know, that we could write here. The idea for a business that Julie had two years ago, remember her back pain started probably like six years ago now. She still hasn't made any strides on that because she was waiting for her back pain to go away first. Now, those are facts. 
And here is where we talk about emotions getting tangled with the facts. I can guarantee you if I'm talking to Julie and I just laid all of that out for her, it would feel shitty as fuck to acknowledge. Right? And if you're listening to this and you're kind of evaluating things for yourself as I'm going through this, it feels like shit. Because chances are, unless Julie's really sat down with someone to reflect, she hasn't realized all of this. Right? Like we just, it, things build up over time. Sometimes we just don't realize where we are. Like she hasn't sat back and actually added up the time, the money that's been spent. Right? And for no results on top of it. Or even worsening of results on top of it. It's often easier to just stay in the doing. It's easier to be like, well, maybe my chiropractor says if I just keep going for another month, then my curve will be fixed. Right? It's easier to just be like, I'm just going to go for the other month than, than to really sit that back and evaluate the situation. And to like be like, yep, all of that money was... I, I don't think looking at it as wasted is helpful, but right in the moment, you're probably going to be like, all that money was wasted. Okay, it's going to bring up a lot of fucking emotions that need to be processed. All right, and this is where we get caught is when we are, and I also, I'm sorry, this is a side note I feel like I have to say, because I keep saying the word fact, and I don't love that I've used that word, but now I'm already too far in, so we're going with it. When I'm saying fact, I mean objective, fairly objective statements, because here's the thing, a lot of facts that people might come up with in this scenario might not be completely, truly like by the court of law facts. So we're not going to get too nitpicky on it. I just mean like more objective statements that right now you're believing to be true because some of them might not even end up being true, but that's a different story. Okay. We're just kind of going to be like, here are sentences we could write that feel true right now. That's how I'm using facts. Not exactly the best for semantics. So I apologize for that, but we're going with it. All right. So now we've talked about what, what I think Julie is, is stuck in action. She's stuck in an action that feels productive, all right, but it's not. It is not getting her closer to her values, which are, you know, being a, a certain type of mom, a certain type of wife, a maybe following her passions, being a business owner, whatever, okay, whatever her values are. It's not getting her closer to that, all right, and it's not being productive because it's not giving her the results she wants and that her back pain is also not getting better, Okay. So a sign that you are likely stuck in doing in the doing in the action is when you've moved from actual healthy productivity that is aligned with your values to mindless, unproductive busyness. This busyness is usually full of shoulds, like, oh, I should do that. That practitioner said this is what I should do, or I need this, blah, 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 okay? It is usually feels really uninspiring. It usually feels really tedious. And it's this busyness that leads to feelings of burnout, of exhaustion, and all that good stuff. And really what, it's, what it is, is it's a way of bypassing doing the inner work. And sometimes it's for a good fucking reason that we are bypassing the inner work. This isn't, again, like blaming. It's just like, again, kind of a true statement here. 
we might be bypassing because your body has absolutely no capacity or skills to do the inner work. And in that sense, your body's really freaking smart that it found a way to bypass something it doesn't have the skills for, right? But again, the problem now is we don't have the skills to do the inner work. So we have to address that problem as such, right? Not just continue to bypass it. So again, this is where we need to get really clear on what is the actual problem. So the busyness that might even, this busyness might, again, be filled with things that feel productive. Maybe you are actually doing tasks. Maybe she is, maybe she is taking some actions for her business, but it's never really going anywhere, right? It's like, Anything that she's doing, she's not fully present with. It feels shitty. It feels like a should, right? That's just that like heavy feeling all the time while you're in action. Go, 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 going. Or even if you feel like you do feel good when you're in action, that's never actually leading to anything. You don't feel like, or maybe again, again, and I think this is where some of my women get caught. You are. There is actual like by patriarchy definition of productivity. You are achieving stuff. I don't, you might be achieving, you know, generating a shit ton of money for the your company you work with right you might be generating tons of emails or materials and all this stuff but none of it feels aligned for you none of it lights you up and it feels like burnout to you okay that's when we're stuck in the mindless busyness we're not present with the action it's not completely aligned to who we are which could be for a number of reasons which we are not getting into in this episode okay because it doesn't mean the actions are necessarily wrong it's, yeah, we're not going to get there. Okay. So here's the thing. Going back to Julie now, okay? Julie is going to need to process all this. There is going to be emotional processing that needs to happen before Julie can probably take the next, like, actionable step into, you know, whatever it is. Maybe that is actually what she needs or what could be really helpful is um, learning more about communication with her kids, right? Because that seems to be, let's say this theme keeps popping up. It's like the yelling at her kids that's really bothering her, right? Maybe that is actually, she have more, um, oh my gosh, more, what is the, more solutions. I can't, I'm sorry guys. I can't think of words right now, apparently today. (laughs) Maybe she would feel more productive if she learned how to do that, become an effective communicator. I don't know. I don't know what's right for her. That's like an obvious one, but it might not be the right one. And we don't want to guess at it either, okay? This is where we don't want to jump into another action too quickly. So being like, okay, yep, I'm just going to move into anger management and how to communicate to my kids is going to be probably a mistake for Julie. There needs to be emotional processing first, okay? And if Julie doesn't have the skills to emotionally process, then what, okay? We have to learn that. So let's say Julie hires me. I'm going to teach her those skills. We're going to process it and we're going to do it all through the lens of her pain. We're going to be bringing all of these components in, right? This isn't just like a perfectly linear thing that happens. We're not going to get stuck in any one place because chances are there's a lot for Julie to process and she definitely does not need to process it all before she's taking the next step. It might literally be a 30 minutes of processing with me. And then we are like pretty much with most sessions I'm doing with clients, we are doing processing and then we're ending with what is the next action you could take. And that action could be rest. Okay. When I say, when I'm saying action, or it could be, I'm actually going to sign up for that class, or I'm going to go and, you know, watch this video about communication. I don't know. Again, I don't know. Julie is going to come up with her answer because in processing something, it allows us to turn inwards, touch base with our body. And then our body, gets us gets to tell us 
what we need. Now, you can also get stuck in the emotional processing. And if you're someone who has a lot of experience with somatic work, even with thought work, I'm going to lump thought, eh, thought work can go into either category, depending on how you use it. But if you're someone who does a lot of body work, if you're someone who's very trauma informed, if you're someone who has the skills of emotional processing and you are like, I got those skills, I know how to do that. Listen here, because this might be where you are. Again, I don't know. I'm very good at emotional processing. I, I do it for a living and I, I I often get stuck in the, I get stuck in either place sometimes, right? So like, again, it's not, you might get stuck in both. It's just noticing where you are at what time. So when you are stuck in emotional processing or when you want to know it's time to move out of emotional processing is when you have moved from processing emotions to either staying to like, you're either stuck in suffering, like now you're just like letting yourself grieve for like the collective world, okay? Like the grieving, the tears, like they're not even your, like they're overcoming you, they're overtaking you. Like it is just fucking painful. And we're talking about like, there's no end to it. Like it's just constant pain and we don't know how to move out of it. Or as if you're using processing as a way to bypass taking an action that seems scary. If you're like, oh, well, hold on. I need to process the trauma from my childhood before I can go post this post on Instagram. Now, there are times where that could be true. But here's the thing, like, especially in a scenario that that's, that, that, that is that clear cut, like I'm going to take this action or I want this one very specific action to come. Chances are the emotional processing, like if you have the skills to do it, like it really shouldn't be more than 20 to 30 minutes. And then you should be able to take that action. And then you might need to do more emotional processing after, okay? But if you're never taking the action, if you've been emotionally processing for weeks and you still haven't posted that post on Instagram or taken X step, chances are you are stuck in emotional processing. Again, there's no judgment. I've done it too, okay? The way to know, there's no length of time, okay? The way to know is if your external life is stagnant in a way that doesn't feel good. Again, you're not achieving your values. You're not achieving your goals. It doesn't, it feels shitty. And chances are, again, if you're really good at emotional processing, it's like, well, now I need to go emotional and process that. No. <laughs> okay. So yeah, if you're, if you're constantly feeling you like, like, like constantly you need to emotionally process before you go do something, you're probably stuck in emotional processing. Okay. Now. The kicker is really, really, really here's the whole thing is to know you have to be able to connect in with yourself because if you can connect in with yourself, you will get the answer. You will like, you know what feels aligned once you have that skill of connecting in with yourself and you have to be able to step away from thinking there's a formulaic way of doing this that can be tracked with a spreadsheet. Okay. I get so many people who are like, well, how much time should I spend processing? How much time? When do I know? Like, what's the exact sign? I don't know. It's going to be different for your body and what your needs are. Now, for all you logical and analytical thinkers out there, the good news is, is honestly, the better you get at knowing how your body feels and touching into how you feel, you actually can get a little analytical about it. Like, I have sensations in my body now that I have come to know. And while I, I'm not a spreadsheet person, if you were a spreadsheet person, you literally could probably create a flow sheet for yourself of when I'm feeling X in my body, this intervention is what works for it. 
And as long as then you're accurately tracking and making sure that the intervention is still working, like you could get logical, but it's going to take stepping away from that first. Okay. So really the, the, the key is, is what you're tracking is feelings in your body, your values instead of numbers and minutes and to-do lists. Okay. And again, don't get me wrong. All those things can find a place like a to-do list might be very helpful in achieving your values as long as it's helpful in achieving your values, right? Like, again, if it is doing, if it is creating the outcome you want from something, it's not a problem. So let's not make anything a problem if it's not a problem. And this is, again, where evaluating what is actually a problem is a really important skill. All right. Okay, but then the disclaimer I have to make about getting in touch with your body is chances are if you are someone who has been in pain for a long time, getting in touch with your body doesn't feel good. It's not a skill that feels really comfortable and it feels scary to go into your body. It means you're not going to be able to connect into your body reliably yet. Reliably is the key here too, okay? Because you might be able to with like guidance and direction or have times where you can, but it's going to take a little bit more skill and practice to understand when you really connect into your body. So I had a conversation with a client earlier who resisted this quite a bit. She told me she knows her body. She fought back on me. She's like, no, I know my body. I know how it reacts. And she said that she has the data to know that every time she does anything that she is passionate about, things that happen to often include her being on her feet for hours and hours on end, it kills her. It kills her body. And she needs to rest for weeks and her whole body is in pain. She knows this to be true. Now, here's the thing. I haven't, she's my client. We have gotten to know each other very well. And I got to call her out on something. Because never in her adult life has she tried to engage in that certain activity that she's talking about when she had the capacity. Ever. No, her body cannot handle a 12-hour day on her feet that comes after weeks of doing menial tasks that feel uninspiring to her. She's right. Her body does not react well to that. It absolutely pushes her past her capacity. But what I got to ask her is what would happen if she went into into that day actually rested? That day was actually within her capacity right? And she didn't know the answer. She can't know the answer. Okay. What I had to ask her was what would happen if you, if she actually started saying no to the tasks that she's been doing for years and years and years on end that she hasn't wanted to do and that have been out of people pleasing and out of feeling guilty and out of shame, right? What would happen if she actually said no to those tasks? Or for the tasks that she does have to do, because there are some, let's face it, not every single task in life is just going to be fun and joyous all the time, right? Um, But what if she actually found a way to make them fun and inspiring instead of them filling with her with dread, which they do now? How would her body respond then? Again, I got no fucking clue. Neither does she. We don't have the data yet. But what I can tell you with certainty is that you cannot use past evidence that isn't reliable. 
We can't just isolate that task without, iso without also taking in context. And that isn't evidence she can gather overnight. Being able to do that, like actually go into that 12-hour day rested, likely is going to take six months of reflection, preparation, inner work, and action to be able to get to that. We were creating a scenario, but it doesn't mean she can jump into it. All right. This is, again, defining where the actual issue is. And for her, one of the big issues is saying no to things that she doesn't truly want to do and doesn't have the capacity to do. Here's the thing. Six months seems like a really long time for people. It might not take six months. I have no idea. Okay. But let's just say it takes six months. But at this point, she has 40 years of not doing that. She has 40 years of evidence of why what she's doing doesn't work. When you're comparing it to 40 years, all of a sudden six months isn't that long. Because here's the thing, if she says, nope, six months is too long, I'm not willing to do that six months of work, well, she's got another 40 years of doing the same shit over and over and never being able to do what she actually cares about. It's just the reality. Because here's the thing is let's be honest with ourselves. And this is truly asking from a place of curiosity and noticing. How much time do we spend hoping that you're going to be able to just keep doing what you're doing over and over and over with the hope that maybe this time it'll get a different result? Truly, how much time have you spent with that? Maybe there's just different variations. Maybe you're twisting things in just a little bit of a different way. In hoping and being like, no, I keep trying different things. But really, when you often, often when people reflect, they're doing the same things. They're just doing them in different ways, right? Instead of scrolling on social media, you're using TV as a way of bypassing. Instead of TV, you're now using reading. Maybe you're even using something like volunteering <laughs> as a way of bypassing, right? But again, when we can identify the underlying problem, which again is going to be different from for everyone we can then start to address that and ask, has that ever truly been addressed? And again, for pain, an example is when someone's like, well, I've been to the massage therapist. I've been to the physical therapist. Well, I tried the chiropractor. I tried the acupuncturist. I tried, uh, I don't know, some stretch therapist, I whatever. Every single one of those things is a really, at the end of the day, a fairly passive treatment some might be a little active, okay? But a fairly passive treatment, none of which include any type of emotional processing or skills. So again, it might feel like different actions. It's all the same shit though. Like, I don't mean that. Sorry, that was probably... <laughs> they are very different things. Obviously, obviously, all of those things are very different treatments, right? But I'm talking about somebody who has tried them all and none of them are yielding results. We can probably lump them into the category of we're addressing the physical body or we're addressing it in a way that's more passive and we need to do something else. What that something else is, I don't know. That's what we got to figure out, right? Because until we do that, we're not going to get results. All right. So this staying in, stuck in an action or maybe even rest can also be a symptom of this. Hoping that all of a sudden you'll get a jolt of inspiration that'll find you snap you out of your pattern, right? Or maybe like, well, I just need to rest longer. Like maybe you've had pain where you're like, I just need to rest for another week. I just need to rest for another month. You can, some people are stuck in rest. Chances are, if you're listening to this podcast and you've been listening to for a while and you're resonating with what I'm saying, I'm going to guess you're probably not someone who's stuck in rest. You're, and if you think you are, if you're someone who's like, no, I barely have done anything. Again, I could be wrong. I obviously can't 
individually diagnose you. I don't know who you are who's listening right now, right? Chances are you're actually stuck in action that feels like rest or that you're attributing to rest, okay? Again, if you're not sure, book a pain strategy session. We can figure it out for sure. Um, But most likely you're stuck in action if you're listening to this podcast, okay? Because that's who I'm attracting is people, it was women who are perfectionists, who are stuck in people pleasing, who think that they're not doing anything, but chances are they're doing a shit ton of work, okay? And you're probably, if you're arguing with me right now in your brain, chances are you probably fall into that category. But again, book a session. We can get really clear on that. Prove me wrong. That's totally cool. I work with wherever you are. We just got to find, get clear on where you are. So I'm going to define then what I mean by the busyness here, if that you're stuck in this busyness. So I mean, anything that keeps you away from truly being present and in your body. It means that there are things that you might be doing, like watching TV, scrolling through Facebook, just sitting in shock and staring at your to-do list, which might not feel like action, but they are busyness in the sense that I'm referring to right now in this episode, because you're not truly present in the moment. Now, is it possible to do all of these things with full presence? Absolutely. Again, if you're listening to this, you probably aren't. Again, assumption, okay? It's just a reality and there's no judgment. I do it too. All of my clients do it, okay? You're not alone. But the sooner we can come aware, become aware of this, the sooner we can realize we're not alone and it's totally fucking normal for the human, human brain, the, more, the, the quicker you can do something about it, okay? So again, none of this is judgment. The promise, none of this is judgment. And I know, again, there can be emotions that come up in realizing this. And it can be those emotions then that stop us from taking the proper action. Do you see where this keeps coming in? We need both skills. We need the skills of emotional processing and also to set aside emotions. And we need the skill of really identifying the problem and taking the right action for that problem. Those are both fucking crucial skills. And that's why I teach both. So because as long as we are stuck in the emotions of shame, guilt, or anything that involves self-deprecation, we're not going to be able to make the transition into taking a healthy action. We can't. We cannot take a clear, aligned action from a place of self-deprecation, from a place of shame. It just, it's not possible, okay? So if you're someone who is stuck in action, but it's constantly from this place of, Oh, well, maybe if I do this, I'll be a better mom. Or, oh, maybe I do. if I do this, then, you know, I'm going to finally find a partner who loves me. Maybe if I do this, right? When it's constantly from that place, we need to actually t- spend more time in emotional processing. We're stuck. You're stuck in an unhealthy, busy action because you don't know how to process and separate out those emotions. Again, it's not separating out emotions. It's not ignoring them. I'm all about emotional processing. Now, if you're someone who does rest, but then you feel guilty and anxious the whole time, or you beat the crap out of yourself for being a lazy piece of shit afterwards, well, that wasn't truly rest. You're also stuck in the busyness. And being stuck in either of these states, well, that keeps our body stuck in a state of threat. It keeps our nervous system sensitized, which keeps us stuck in chronic pain. So... I need to take a breath here. Going back to the whole concept of touching base with your body or even something that, you know, I say all the time of like, your body has all the answers. Yeah, it does. But that can be a bullshit statement if we don't know how to listen to our body. If we don't know if our body is a reliable thing to be listening to. Okay. And this involves getting very, very clear on where the problem is. 
And the problem might be, I cannot get into my body to ask it questions. It does not feel safe in my body. The problem might be like, I just feel anxious all the time, so therefore I never can sit enough to listen to my body. The problem could be, I live in chronic fear of making my pain worse, and therefore everything I do and take action from is from a place of fear. All right, again, the problem list, there might be a lot of problems on the list, but getting clear on what the problem is you're trying to solve is so, so crucial. Now, again, this is really not something I recommend doing by yourself. It's really, really hard to see when we, when we are really stuck in something. Man, like I have had conviction that I am not stuck in something. Like I am convinced I know how to do something and I know how to process something or that I even have processed something. And then my coach has been like, yeah, no. <laughs> And then I have emotions about that and then we process it and then the shit feels a whole lot better. And I'm like, wow, I had no fucking clue that I was stuck there. I didn't even know that was a thing. And again, this is like, as of now, as of last week that happened to me, okay? And I do this work for a living. I do the work of finding it for other people. We cannot see it when we're stuck in it ourselves. And I just want to emphasize this so much because I think it's so common that we think we can do this ourselves. Now, when I say do it ourselves, I, I always like to teach. I, I do think like the, the skill I at least like to get people to the point of is actually being able to see that you're stuck. Like I feel like if you can at least see you're stuck, like that's so valuable. I do think there's a lot of these skills we can learn to do on ourselves, but we need external help to learn the skills. Again, it's kind of like, oh, just turn to your body. It has all the answers. Well, yeah, but you need to learn how to go into your body if it doesn't feel safe, right? Like someone's got to teach you that first. Nobody has taught you that up until that point, up until this point. Okay. So again, what I want you to reflect on is like, what are the, like, like write down a couple like very concrete problems that the pain is causing, like problems it's causing in your life. And realizing that this is going to be painful to do and seeing if you can just separate out the emotions from it, especially if they're emotions of shame or feeling bad about yourself, okay? You did not create any of these. These aren't your fault. You haven't been taught how to get out of this. Chances are pretty much anything on your problem list is because you didn't receive proper support because no one fucking teaches this stuff. We don't learn it in school. Not that no one, obviously now there's people like on the internet who teach it, right? And like therapists we can find who teach it, but you did not learn this skill growing up. So don't be afraid to reach out for help. Uh, Book a pain strategy session. I'm really happy to help walk people through. There's no obligation. You don't need to work with me. It's really like if you just want free clarity on where you're stuck, book a session. I'll help you. And I also want to add that I am the, if you saw the course that I put out, that was the group program, I'm going to be offering it in a little bit of a different way. Now I'm still experimenting around a little bit, so I don't have the exact details yet. I don't have a sales page up yet. I mean, maybe it will, if it's, if I have it up by the time this gets published, it'll be in the show notes. It's probably not going to be up by the time this gets published. We'll see. Um, But I do want to mention it because I am making it more into a self-paced 
course that is still going to have support for me. It is still going to have coaching opportunities, but it's going to be something that people can join. I I think what it's going to be is something that people can join at any time versus everybody going through it together. And it means that you can work on the material more at your own pace. It's also going to make the course more affordable. So if this is something you're interested in, I'm debating right now whether to have kind of like beta, like trial testers, which means that the course would be even more affordable for you. Like you'll get a special price in exchange for helping me determine how it's going to be doing the material on your own and making any tweaks along the way, which also means you basically get a better price and you get personalized tweaks to it. Like if there's material I can add, like you get to kind of help me, like tell me to add the material if I think like if I'm getting enough feedback that that's what's needed, right? So it's a major bonus to be a in the beta thing. Again, I think that's what I'm going to do. If you're interested in that and you're listening, DM me on Instagram, okay? Go on Instagram at Andrew, Dr. At, well, I don't know my Instagram, at Dr. Andrea Moore. It'll be in the show notes. And DM me, I want to be a beta tester. And I will hook you up with the details and make sure you're first to find out about it. Um, or if you don't have Instagram, you can email me as well. That'll be in the show notes as well. Andrea at DrAndreaMoore.com. But make sure, because I think I'm going to limit it to just a couple people. Again, it's going to be the best price you'll ever get. And you're going to get individualized support um, and just in exchange for some feedback as you're going through, which again, is going to be what helps give you support. So, and then you'll be grandfathered into the program or any changes I make, of course. Anyways, all that being said, within this course, I'm teaching both sides of skills. I'm going to be teaching, really focusing on the emotional process and taking that out first because we sometimes often cannot get clear because there's so much emotion bogged down that just needs to be processed first. This isn't wrong. And I think so often what happens is people try to make things too logical and factual and like, problem-based and we can't, we can't see it because there's too much emotion that needs, again, that needs to be let out. Um, so I'm teaching from both ends, how to process the emotions, but then also how to get like really actionable steps on what the hell to do about it. <laughs> okay. So if that is something you're interested in doing and working through your chronic pain in that way and really, really learning the skills, then sign up. And also side note, if you are a practitioner who listens, cause I know there's some practitioners who listen I highly recommend this as well. And you can also be a beta tester. That's actually totally cool with me. Just let, let me know that you're a practitioner because then I'll, I'll help you through this. These are all going to be things that you could also use with your clients that you work with if you're someone who works in chronic pain. Okay. Like I have, like, I'm happy to help any practitioners out. So just know that too. Um, let me know that you're a practitioner and you want to be a beta tester and we will, um, that's also an option. All right. I know this has been a really long episode. Thank you so much for sticking with it. This is a big one. And I, as always, just thank you so much for listening. If you have found this episode to be helpful, or if you find my podcast to be helpful, please leave a review that really helps other people find it. And so many people have um, issues with chronic pain and don't know where to go for help. So really leaving a review really helps people find this podcast or feel free to pass it on to them directly. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.